Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here with us. We're uh, talking about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but before we get going, I just want to mention again, in case you're watching online and uh, you just tuned out the rest of it, 67,311 meals we did last week for the people who are, are hungry and need daily bread. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and, and as we get into this, let me just let me just help you to understand a little bit more about who God is, okay? So Moses and Jesus and this old guy are playing golf one day. This is a true story. And, and it's like, a, it, they're getting up to like hole number 15 or 16, and it's a par three over water, and it's like 180 yards, okay? And the wind's blowing at them. If you know golf, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a little bit tricky, right? So Moses gets up, thinks he can get a five iron up there, and it falls into the water. No problem. Parts the water. Chips up, makes par, right? So Jesus gets up. He, he hits a four iron, but he still can't get it there. It falls in the water, no problem. Jesus walks out on the water, calls the ball up, chips up on the green, and makes par. The old guy, it's a really bad shot. It doesn't even get very far at all. And it's getting ready to go into the water. And just before it does, a fish jumps up out of the water and grabs the ball in its mouth. And just about the time it's about to go back down into the water, an eagle flies in and grabs the fish and takes the fish and the ball off. And as it gets over the green, it drops the fish onto the green. The ball pops out of the fish's mouth and goes into the hole for a hole in one. And Jesus turns to him and says, nice shot, dad. Our Father in heaven can do any of that. That's what we were talking about last week, right? This is a foxhole prayer. Uh, this is the Lord's prayer that you say when you're desperate. But we talked about last week how important it is that we get our heads around the fact that he is our Father who loves us and he can do everything, okay? And we talked last week about how right before the scripture, Jesus warned the people not to pray just prayers like the Pharisees who just said words, you know, like rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grace. Up, yay, God. They were just saying words. And I know a lot of you grew up with the Lord's Prayer, and a lot of times it probably felt like you were just saying words that didn't really mean anything. The second part of the scripture was, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, okay? They think they will be heard because of their many words. So what this is, is like, don't just keep saying the same thing over and over again, and also don't just pray to all the different gods and hope that you're going to wake one of them up. Literally, that's what this is about. The pagans prayed to every different kind of God. It was literally something like this. Help me, Jesus! Help me, Jewish God! Help me, Allah! Ah! Help me, Tom Cruise! Help me, Oprah Winifred! If you don't recognize Ricky Bobby in the Ballad of Talladega Nights, I don't even know if you should be in this church. I mean, it's one of the greatest movies of all time, right? That, that's not going to work for us, okay? This is about knowing who God is and praying to the right God and praying with the right meaning. So at this point, the disciples are like, okay, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, all right, it's our daddy in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
And I know that daddy seems weird, but this is the first time anybody had ever called God daddy. And here's what Paul says later, just so that you can understand, maybe this is a little deeper explanation of it. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So if the spirit of Jesus is inside of us, and Jesus is the son of God, nice shot, dad, right, okay? Then this is Abba, this is daddy. And that's exactly what this whole thing was supposed to be about. And so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. That's what this is about. And the apostle John said it this way. See how very much our father loves us. He calls us his children. And that is what we are. So the beginning of this is our father. He's our daddy. That's relationship. In heaven, that's perspective. That's power. He can make the fish jump up, grab the ball, the eagle come and get it, and drop it on the green if he wants to. He's, in, he's all powerful and he's in heaven and he has perspective. That's how we hallow your name. And, and I'm doing this out of order because I really want to do daily bread today. And I head for Israel this week with some of our Parkview people. Uh, my wife and I are going to be leading some people over to the Holy Land. It's the trip we started to take in 2020 that got a little bit messed up. And by the way, just so you know, we'll be bringing back some water from the Jordan River. And we're going to dump it in the tubs, okay, so that... On November 13th, we're going to have a baptism weekend. And if you always wanted to be baptized in the Jordan River, you can say you got baptized in the Jordan River. Okay. There'll also be some Chicago River water in there. Probably more of it will be that way. But I'm just saying, it, you know, if you want to be literal, you can say that. Okay. Next week, Todd, Pastor Todd is going to do thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Week after that, Jody is coming back to do forgive us our trespasses. Don't miss any of this. It all goes together. And I'll be back for deliver us from evil. And we will do baptisms in in the Jordan River on our campuses, okay? Now, here's the deal with the daily bread. For a lot of us, um, the, the whole thing of prayer tends to be kind of a in-case-of-emergency thing, right? Like, break the glass and pull this lever. I mean, for a lot of us, prayer is, is like that, you know, it's the thing that I do when I just don't have any place else to go. It's like calling an emergency number, like... Uh, like calling poison control. My, my brother-in-law, Jack, is like me. He has a wife who's very health conscious, and they make us take pills. Does anybody else have this, this thing going on? I mean, like, and here's your supplements, and here's your, you know, whatever, your juice plus. And, and, and my wife, my daughter is an essential oils girl for doTERRA, so I got all kinds of stuff. And, I, you know, they just put out stuff, and they say, here, eat, eat this, you know. And, and so I take the pills. So Jack was in the same boat, except um, one day uh, Michelle came in and said, where's the flea pill for the dog? And Jack was like, well, I just thought, you know, laying there, I thought you wanted me to take it. That's what we do, right? So they were like, uh-oh, well, I wonder if this is going to be a problem. So they called poison control. So Jack calls poison control. Michelle's not going to do it. Jack calls poison control, and he says, um, my child may have taken a flea pill accidentally. Is, is that going to be a problem? And the lady on the other end, you know, called him out on it. She was like, well, how much does the child weigh? <laughs> and Jack said, oh, about 220 pounds. 
And she said, the child should be fine. It might feel like scratching around the ears a little bit, but the child would be fine. Here's my point. Nobody calls up poison control to have a relationship with them, right? Not if you're normal. I I hope not. But the Bible teaches us that God is our father. It's not just like, oh no, something bad has happened. It's God is my father. So yes, this is a foxhole prayer. Yes, if the bullets are flying, if you accidentally poisoned yourself, the Lord's prayer is wonderful. But today, we're going to talk about bread. And it seems really trivial, but it's really important that you understand that God cares about you when you poison yourself, but he also cares about the little stuff. Wherever you are, whatever's going on, he cares about the little stuff. I I have a bunch of grandchildren, and I talk to my grandchildren about really trivial stuff. I talk to them about bodily functions a lot. Because I have boys that are four, five, and eight, and they just want to talk about bodily functions all the time, right? And I talk to the younger ones about potty training, which really at my age is not really that irrelevant of a conversation, if you think about it. But I can converse. I just want you to know I can converse with a lot of people about things of greater importance than that. I have a doctorate in ministry. But when I'm with my 21-month-old grandson and he wants Lexa to do the cow sound, That's what we're going to do because I care about the stuff that they care about. So listen to it this way. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, Daddy in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. I just want to take the rest of the time and dig into this, okay? Give. That is an attitude of, of humbleness. Daily, but that's an attitude of uh, daily bread is not mine. It's a posture of humility. I don't possess the daily bread. I don't possess the wisdom to have the daily bread. I don't possess the money to have the daily bread. I need daily bread from you. And somebody said it this way. Humble people pray for daily bread. And praying for daily bread humbles people. Can you hang on to that for a minute? I mean, if, 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 if every day, if this is in is how you should pray, Jesus said, I pray, give us today our daily bread, that, that humbles me. That, that helps me get the perspective that God is the one who gives me everything, right? Give us. Who do you normally pray for? Do you pray for yourself? I mean, yeah, usually, I mean, if something big is going on, but I don't know about you, but a lot of times I, I spend more time praying for other people than I do myself. And I kind of have an attitude that, that like, that's a good thing, right? That, that that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm being unselfish with my prayers. But listen to this. <laughs> Paul says, present your request to God. Why, why are we limiting God? God is commanding us to ask, Okay. So if one of my kids or my grandkids has a need, I want to know about it. I don't want them to go without something that is important to them and to their lives when I have the resources to meet it. Can I say that again? I don't want them to go without something that they need if I have the resources to meet it. And maybe you're under the impression that that God is going to be disappointed if you ask for things about yourself, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you who are sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, right? How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? The act of asking is an expression of trust in God. 
My friend, Pastor Eddie Lowen down in Springfield said, God's favorite part of my story is the part where I trust in him. I mean, that's, that's give us this day our daily bread. Another way to say it would be, who am I to decide for God what I should and shouldn't have? I'm going to ask him. I don't want to project my lack of concern and lack of generosity onto him. James, the brother of Jesus, says, you have not because you ask not. The message paraphrase of Luke 9 says, here's what I'm saying. You've heard this before. Ask and you'll get. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. So if you concluded somewhere along the way in your spiritual journey that it's selfish to think about yourself with God, you're not thinking about God as your daddy in heaven who loves you. Matter of fact, the Hebrew writer said, let us come boldly to the throne of God, of our gracious God. Who comes boldly to the throne of a king? Do his subjects come boldly to the throne of the king? No, not usually. The king's children approach the throne boldly. We're praying to daddy here, and he cares about you. Give us today, daily, our daily bread, right? I mean, it's a constant dependence on God. One of the best things about this prayer is the ongoing dependence that it gives us on God. Listen to the scripture from the Old Testament. It's where my favorite hymn came from, and some of you will recognize it. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know that one? Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Every 24 hours, the sun comes back up and there are new mercies. This prayer is reminding us today, every day I need your mercy, I need your love, I need your bread, I need your provision. That's why Jesus could say, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. It, you know, if we could put Matthew 6, 34 into the water like we did fluoride and, and just help everybody grab a hold of this, wouldn't it be so great for our world right now? Because we have an anxious epidemic. And Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Give us today everything we need. That's all, that's all we have to worry about. It's about deciding that God is the one who runs the universe and he's doing a better job than me and I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm just going to tell you, you don't want me to run your universe. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to do that very good job. One day, my grandson Charlie was about four and we were together down in Nashville and, and he, he was eating cereal that had raisins in it and he was fascinated with sharks. And so he turns to the, the rest of us and he's, he's like, do sharks eat raisins? <laughs> and his mom said, no, Charlie, I don't think they do. Raisins don't grow in the water. So he turned to Nana. <laughs> Not the answer he wanted. He wanted sharks to eat raisins. He said, Nana, do sharks eat raisins? And Nana said, no, Charlie, sharks eat little fish. So he turned to me. He said, Papa, do sharks eat raisins? I said, yes. Yes, they do. 
I mean, I'm not his dad. I'm not his king. I, I just want him to like me, right? So I'm going to give him the answer he wants. I'm sure that somewhere some shark accidentally in the universe has eaten a raisin. So I, I think it's good, right? That's not the kind of God that you want taking care of you. That's not the kind of person that you want to be in charge of the universe. Someone who's giving you the answers because he wants you to like them. Okay? This is daily going back and saying, God, give us today what we need. And we acknowledge that you are our Father and that you are in heaven. Okay? And speaking of daily... We've been doing this uh, 40 days thing. We started it last week. We've had over 1,500 people do it daily and over 2,000 people give us their information to get signed up. You can go to 40 days at 65649. It's a little devotional thought. And if you do it daily, we'll give it to you so that you can, it'll just go on your phone and it'll pop up and you can just pop and look at it right there and daily be reminded that God is in charge of the universe. We'll help you with this. Give us today daily bread. Again, I want, I want to bring you back to the shift in this prayer, okay? We're praying to God about your kingdom come, your will be done. You are our God up in heaven, and then there's this radical shift. It's like, God, you are so mighty up in heaven. You are hallowed. You are the supreme ruler of the heavens. May your kingdom come, and may you reign over all the earth. And can I have a sandwich? I mean, think of it this way. I mean, is God really concerned with those little things? Is God really concerned with my daily bread, with my little problems? Because that's what this prayer is telling us. Have you ever prayed for your kids, owie, just to placate them? I mean, maybe this is just me because I'm a pastor and I, you know, I'm supposed to maybe be that way, but like if they skinned their knees, you know, I'd be like, well, rub some dirt on it, you know, like a dad. And, and, and then mom would come along and put a bandaid on it or whatever. And, and, but if it still hurts after you do all that, then what's the next line of defense? Well, let me kiss it, right? I'm going to kiss it. You know, that's not going to make it better, right? Kids, you know, they were lying to you, right? Let me, let me kiss it and make it better. But if you're a pastor, you go to the next level. If the kissing doesn't work, you say, well, let's pray about it. But I'm just going to admit, I was, I was a hypocrite because I really didn't think it was that big of a scrape. And I wasn't really honestly praying that God was going to heal their scrape. I was just trying to make them feel better. But you know what I realized? And I, I know you didn't do that because, you know, I'm a pastor. It's just, just part of my weird life, okay? But what I've realized is that God actually heard me. <laughs> I was just thinking about this week. God's up in heaven going, what is your problem? I mean, if you, if, if you really need something, then ask me. I literally do care about your owies. And then I started thinking, you know, if I was God and people were praying meaningless prayers with zero faith behind them, I think I would want to just like answer their prayer in a way to show them that I was there. Like, if you were just praying the Lord's Prayer, Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be your name, the kingdom come, and will be done, earth is in heaven, give us today our daily bread. If I was God, I would just take a loaf of bread, and throw it down from heaven, and whack you on the head. Like, oh, what was that? Well, you pray for daily bread. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I mean, like the hard French bread, not a wonder bread thing. I mean, I'd just be whacked. This is another reason why I shouldn't be God. But I'm just saying, I'm like, hey, are you really praying or not? 
And something you need to understand about this is, is that when, when Jesus was teaching this to the audience there, when they heard daily bread, they immediately went back to Moses and the children of Israel back in the wilderness. Because the children of Israel were faithless and they didn't believe that God was there. And, and so God literally threw bread down from heaven. I mean, here, here it is in, uh, in, <laughs> in Exodus chapter 15. The Lord said to Moses, they were hungry out in the desert. The Lord said, I will rain bread down from heaven. But he didn't throw loaves down. He just threw these little flakes of bread down from heaven and I'll have you have enough to go out and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see if they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are prepared twice as much and bring it in. So there will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Okay, what is that all about? So literally what God did for them out in the desert, they had no food. He's like, I want you to understand that you have to depend on me daily. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send bread down from heaven it's called manna, and they made little cakes out of it, and they would gather it. But the shelf life of manna was one day on purpose. God, God made it so that if they went out and collected more manna than they could eat on that one day, it would spoil overnight except for the manna that they collected the day before the Sabbath when they weren't supposed to work, it would work for two days. So they got double the manna and they collected it. What God was trying to get them to understand and what we ought to understand from it, from what Jesus is telling us, is that you need to wake up every morning and depend on God. Okay, really, really simple. And it was great for a while, the people were great with it for a while. But after a while, they got tired of the bread and they started complaining and they wanted meat. And so, you know, the whole cycle started all over again. But I was thinking about that this week and I, and I thought, you know, has your, have you noticed that your definition of daily bread has changed over time? That your expectations have changed and you're not satisfied with daily bread anymore? That in order to be satisfied, the food has to be great, the accommodations have to be plush, temperature has to be ideal, clothing has to be perfectly comfortable and have some spandex in it to make your body look more better, right? And if not, I'm going to give you a bad review on Yelp. That's what we do. But listen to Dwight L. Moody. He said it this way, we cannot eat enough food to last us for the next six months. We cannot take enough air in our lungs in one breath to sustain our life for a week. Neither can we take in a supply of God's goodness that will last us the rest of our lives. We must rely on God's provision every day. Every day. And that changes everything about our anxiety. Jesus told a story about a wealthy farmer who became addicted to more and more stuff like I am and you probably are. And he kept collecting more and more and building bigger and bigger barns. And, and God said, okay, you got enough stuff now? Okay, well, now it's your time to die. And he died. And Jesus said, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. It's about contentment. Paul was teaching Timothy, his protege, about how to do ministry and how to live life. And he said, Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Have we forgotten that godliness and contentment, choosing to be satisfied, go together? 
Have we forgotten that we don't need the newer and better everything? And that isn't that part of what give us this day our daily bread is supposed to be about? My friend Hayden Shaw sent me a note and he said, I, I love this daily, this idea of the daily bread thing about our faith because he said, personally, I struggle with this more than anything else. He said, I, what I want is I want the schedule for the bread truck for the next six months. Isn't that right? I mean, that's me. I want the schedule for the bread truck. This is great while the stock market's, you know, going all crazy. This is great while the, you know, economy and, the, and everything is going really crazy. I want to know what's going to happen in the next six months. So I want to pray for more than Jesus told me to pray. But Jesus never told us to pray that prayer. He prayed, give us today. And this is what he said that you've got to remember. Take a picture of this if you need to. I prefer to have my trust in the spreadsheet of what the Father is doing, not in the Father. And that hit me between the eyes. I want to have my trust in the spreadsheet of what the Father is doing and not in the Father. You see, back in this day, daily bread, I mean, that was it. Most people were paid every day. It captured who they were. And a lot of the world still lives that way. They don't know where the meal, next meal is coming from. So this prayer is a prayer of contentment. We're not asking for luxury and abundance. God could provide those things. He may, he does a lot of times provide those things. But in this prayer, we're praying for what we really need that will be enough. We're dependent on God for the things that are enough and he gives them to us every day and we collect them and we don't worry about tomorrow because we know he's going to be enough for tomorrow. So give us our daily bread because you're our daddy and you provide for your children. And let me again remind you of Eddie's thought. God's favorite part of my story is where I trust him. So what does that, what does that mean? Well, we have to acknowledge that we have people listening to me right now who are in very different kinds of situations, right? Some of you have a, plenty of bread. You're not really worried about it. Some of you maybe only have a slice of bread, okay? But, but there's a word that I left out of here that I think is really important, okay? It's this word right here, our. Give us today our daily bread. It doesn't say my daily bread. It says our daily bread. And I think that from Scripture, it's pretty easy to make a case that one way, God knows that you trust in him and that, that you really do believe that he is your daddy who's going to care for you is by giving back to him, giving something back. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's, it's a test of how we use our daily bread. So let's just say that, that this loaf represents your daily bread. And let's say for some of you, this slice represents your daily bread. One of the things that you can do to know that you trust in God is to give, to be willing to share some of it with somebody else because it's our daily bread. And maybe my daily bread is supposed to help somebody else. This is why we did 67,000 meals last weekend. Maybe some of my daily bread is supposed to go help somebody else have some daily bread so that they can have some nourishment. And, and maybe those of us who have more, we're supposed to do even more of it. Maybe we need to break off a big chunk of it and help other people with it. 
And I know that when we talk about giving, it, 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 it's hard because you see it as a thing that's self-serving to the church and all that kind of stuff. You got to know that's not the motivation. I challenge you on a regular basis to prioritize your generosity because that's who Jesus is. That's who God is. There are reasons we teach this as a church. I want to be like my father in heaven who gave his only son so that I could have the daily bread and eternal salvation that I need. We're blessed to be a blessing, and giving to God is a way that I prove that I believe that he can give me my daily bread. And giving to God first is a reminder that I don't make everything happen. When we give to God first, the Bible says, bring your first fruits to the, to, to, to the barn. That's what you do first. You give to God first. When we give to God before we buy, we're saying, you know what? Maybe I don't need everything else. I'm getting my priorities right. It, it, it helps us free us from the bigger, better, faster thing that we all live with. And we can go back to trusting God to give us our daily bread. I want to encourage you, pick a percentage of your income. Pick an amount. It doesn't matter what it is. Set aside before you do anything else and give to God first. And watch him honor you. Watch him give to you. And understand what that relationship is all about. And before we go into communion, let me just bring us back to the probably the most so much with bread that we could be illustrating Jesus said to them my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world and they said sir always give us this bread and Jesus said I am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never go hungry I think a big part of our problem is we forget daily bread is about provision, but the real thing that we need in the first place was Jesus. Jesus is the bread. And here's what happens. What makes bread really good? Well, gluten, for one thing. And, and unfortunately, I have to be gluten-free because of my arthritis. So this is gluten-free bread, which is, anyone? Terrible. Okay, good. It's terrible. So if you're gonna, if you get to eat the good bread, you can just eat the bread, right? But if you're gonna eat gluten, nobody eats gluten-free bread by itself. You toast it and you put stuff on it and you do all the things that you can do to make it better. So here are uh, some of my favorite things to put on my gluten-free bread. One of them is Knott's Berry Farm boysenberry jam. Am I right about that or am I right? This is the best jam ever from Knott's Berry Farm out in California. True story. My great grandfather was a friend of Walter Knott. And when Walter Knott decided to go start his berry farm, he asked my great-grandfather to go with him. And my great-grandfather was stupid and he did not do it. But I still like the jam. Boysenberry is like this, this new berry that they made up, okay? So you put Knott's Berry Farm boysenberry jam on top of your crappy bread, you're going to be okay. It's going to taste all right, okay? Here's the other thing that you can do. If you go, if you're gluten-free like me, what's one of the best things that you could do if you go to Italian, right? 
If you go to an Italian restaurant, what do they do? They pour the oil out for you, and then they got some Parmesan cheese here for you. You can dump it in and some salt and pepper, and then you take the bread and you mix it around in there and you can eat it. And even if it's gluten-free, it won't be too bad. And here's for me to you. I'm not going to eat that after the jelly. That just doesn't sound good. Uh, here's what. Here's for me to you. If you go to Francesca's and you're gluten-free, you can ask them for the gluten-free pizza crust, and they'll just bring you the gluten-free pizza crust, and you can dip that in the oil and Parmesan, and it'll still taste okay. It's not going to taste as good as real bread, but but you can do it, okay? I'm just, just, just again, that's for me to you. What else do you like to put on it? Does some of you like to put local honey on it? It's good for your allergies, right? Put some honey on there, and you're going to love the bread. I mean, that's how, that's how we do it, right? But the coup de gras, okay? This is the one I've been saving. You know what this is? Texas Roadhouse cinnamon butter. Oh, oh yeah, uh-huh. I mean, with their rolls, it's unbelievable. But even on crummy gluten-free blood, gluten-free blood, <laughs> see what it does to your mouth? Even when you put it on there, it still tastes okay. I mean, you got to do all these things when you're, when you're going to be gluten-free. you got to learn how to do this. And I waited to the end of the sermon for Texas Roadhouse, and I have called them already to tell them that many of you may be coming for lunch, okay? <laughs> Here's the deal, all right? The, the context of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, was that he'd fed the 5,000 people, and he... And they, and they were like, wow, you're really cool. And by the way, you, you make good bread and fish, so we're going to follow you around. So they followed him around the lake the other side. And Jesus is like, look, all you guys are doing is trying to find, you, you just want to follow me because I'm giving you food. But what I'm telling you is that I am the bread. What you really need is me. So those, 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 those people that are following God just because they need things from God, they're not getting the point. Those people that are praying the Lord's Prayer and give us this day our daily bread and, you know, and, and make sure it's got some Knott's Berry Farm jelly on it, they're missing the point. It's not about the stuff that we put on top. It's actually about the bread. We have a tendency to make life be about the jam and the honey and the cinnamon butter and all those other things that we think we need. But here's what Jesus said. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I'm the bread of life. I mean, think about this. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. When you consider that, it really puts a new spin on this prayer. And we're going to we're going to sing Waymaker right now, have a time of worship, and then we're going to do communion together. And, and please remember when we do that, that Jesus said, whenever you do communion, remember that when you eat this bread, it is my body that was broken for you. And it's really all you need. So there's so many different ways to think about how this goes when give us our day, this day, our daily bread. It's about humility. It's about praying for our own needs. It's about the fact that God really cares about the little things like bread for us. 
It's about the fact that we depend on him daily and we don't worry about the spreadsheet. And ultimately, it's about the fact that it's already happened. And we just need to remember. Jesus said, when you do this, remember me. I am the bread, and that's what you need. Let's pray. Father, be with us as we commune in just a moment. Be with us as we worship right now. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and to have a reminder. Forgive us, Lord, when we're looking for the spreadsheet, when we're looking for the bread truck schedule. Forgive us when we don't trust you enough. Challenge us with our bread to to make it our bread and not my bread. And be with us as we realize that you have given us everything we need. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. Thank you. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.